This is a Soulfire production. Welcome to my channel. I'm your host, Christina. I'm an intuitive channel, 7D healer, business mentor, and manifestation expert. On this podcast, we discuss how to tap into your intuitive gifts, manifest the life you want, create a kick-ass business in flow, and take a holistic approach to health and wellness. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at ChristinaTheChannel and on my website, ChristinaTheChannel.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for you all to hear today's episode. We are talking about sacred geometry, architecture, the programming in buildings, how to empower yourself through the architecture of the spaces you are in, the style of the spaces you are in. I think this is such an interesting topic and I have really been super interested in exploring and playing with how our external environment affects our frequency. And I have noticed that with shifting my environment, playing with colors in my environment, moving furniture around, like the locations that I'm in. I've talked a lot about that with with travel. And I have been playing with this in in my home as well, in my office, and just trying different things on and just buying different decorations, switching things up. But also with the clothes I've been wearing, just really, really seeing how much we can shift our vibration and how we feel, how we show up, even shift beliefs, activate ourselves to our next levels through the signals in our external environments. Everything is sending a message. And when we tune into this, we can actually really use this to empower ourselves. And so I really wanted to have my friend Andrea on the show. So today's guest is Andrea Keller. She's incredible. She is a licensed architect and founder of AKA Architecture and Design in LA, one of the country's only all-female firms. She has 25 years of experience in multifamily, residential, and boutique hotel design, and her firm now focuses on sustainability, intentional communities, eco-village design, retreat centers, and healing temples. It's been really cool for me to kind of hear about the behind the scenes of her process with the new healing temples that she is building that are going to be so epic, so incredible. I've never heard of anything quite like this. And I am sure that a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be really excited to learn more about those. So we talk about the healing temples that she's designing right now in today's episode as well. I'm super excited, but she's just such an incredible resource about geometry, how to really design, create style spaces to support our frequency, to support empowerment. And her work is really to help bring people into greater alignment with their core values, their communities, and the earth through geometry all around us, the buildings we live in. In talking to Andrea about this, Personally, I mean, her perspective just blew my mind. I feel like we just scratched the surface in this podcast of her wealth of knowledge. She is she is truly one of the most interesting people I have ever met. She is really creating a new paradigm in her industry and I think really supporting people and taking their power back. And I think the education that she puts out there is so incredibly important. It's definitely made me think about the world 
that we live in in a different way and the buildings that I enter into in a very different way and just this whole other level of how our external environment can affect our beliefs. So today's discussion is going to be super interesting. I'm just so excited for you all to hear this. And Andrea has a course called Aligned Design. I highly recommend checking it out. This is not for just architects. This is for anybody who's curious to learn about more conscious design. And if you are interested in learning more about this, which at this point, the more I learn about this, I'm like, I feel like everybody needs to understand what these different symbols mean and what the geometry in our environment means and and how to design our space in an aligned way for us individually definitely check this out. So the course is called Aligned Design. And if you go to her website, 4ddesign.com slash courses, or just go to 4ddesign.com, you'll see the course tab and that's spelled F-O-U-R-D design.com. You will see all of the information about this course. And if you do want to check it out, you can use the discount code Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A to get 20% off definitely check it out. This stuff is so fascinating. And I have been so pumped to have Andrea on because she's just a wealth of knowledge. And I get a lot of questions about sacred geometry. And I just thought she was the perfect person to explain more about this and uh, give some helpful tools to help people actually understand how to apply this to their lives. So really pumped for this. And toward the end, what was really cool is she started downloading a temple for me. She's telling me about, so I'm, I'm really pumped about that. More will come through because she channels everything that she creates. So it's, it's so incredible. And she's another great example of, you know, using your intuition in a way that's super aligned for you. And the work that she's doing is just game changing. So I'm really excited for you all to hear this. So honored to have Andrea on the podcast. If you want to connect more with her, which you definitely will, again, her website is 4ddesign.com, F-O-U-R-D-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. You can also find her on Instagram at 4-F-O-U-R underscore D underscore design. And I'm sure she would love to connect with you. She is happy to be a resource. And if you are interested in building if you're building a home or any type of building, not only is she a great resource, but you know you might want to consider looking into working with her team. If you're looking to build something that is super aligned, you know they they keep in mind the geometry, the climate, the location, like the frequency of the area, the structure, the technology, the sustainability, everything. Dream architect. I am obsessed with her. So cannot wait for you all to hear this. So let's go ahead and dive in. Enjoy this conversation with the incredible Andrea Keller. I want to take a second to tell you about a supplement that I have been taking daily for quite some time now that I am obsessed with. And this is Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex. I love this vitamin C so much. I have tried so many different vitamin Cs over the years throughout different detox protocols, and especially now with just paying extra attention to boosting my immune system, supporting that detoxification process, vitamin C is so, so essential for me. And I love Paleo Valley's Essential C because it is 100% natural, 
containing three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C out there, amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe acerola cherry. Super clean, organic, whole food ingredients, as opposed to most other vitamin C supplements out there that are derived from GMO corn and usually only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex contains the whole spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C and gives you 750% your RDI of vitamin C. So I love this because it is great for naturally boosting my immune system. It really helps reduce any fatigue and naturally boost energy. Vitamin C is also great for helping to regulate your stress hormone, cortisol. And I've noticed a huge difference in my skin since taking this. And like I said, I've tried a lot of vitamin Cs throughout the years. And this one is by far my favorite. I am obsessed with it. And I really think it's something that everybody should have in their arsenal. Another one of my favorite products from Paleo Valley is their apple cider vinegar complex. I've been using apple cider vinegar for years to help balance my blood sugar. I struggled a lot with balancing my blood sugar for a long time. And then a few years ago when I found apple cider vinegar, it totally changed my life. And I loved that it was a natural thing that really made a huge difference for me. But the problem was that my dentist actually brought up to me that it was affecting my tooth enamel. And so what I love about Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex is I get all of the benefits of ACV, but none of the damage to my tooth enamel because it is in a capsule. And if you don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar, this is a great option as well. Apple cider vinegar is not only great for stabilizing blood sugar, but also helps to control cravings, especially sugar cravings, is great for supporting your metabolism, naturally supports the production of stomach acid, which a lot of people are actually low in stomach acid. That was a problem for me for a long time. So it really supports digestion as well. I'm a huge ACV fan and that is why I am obsessed with Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex. So those are just two of the products from Paleo Valley that I love, but we use pretty much all of their supplements. Uh, we take their superfood bars and their beef sticks to go for travel. And I use quite a few of their other supplements as well. So if you want to check out any of the products I mentioned or any others, just head to paleovalley.com check out everything they have to offer. Absolutely love their products. They're all gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, and made from only organic whole foods. And if you do want to try some out, then you can use my code Christina15. That's Christina15 for 15% off. So that is paleovalley.com, P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And my code Christina15, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, 15 will get you 15% off. Andrea, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I have been so looking forward to it. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I am so excited. <laughs> we have we have so many directions we can we can go in, but I I would love for you just to share with the audience like a bit a bit more about what you do because you're you are one of the most interesting people I've ever met. I will just say that. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, I am an architect. I've had my own firm in Los Angeles for 20 years. I recently moved to Joshua Tree. So I'm you know, relocating to the desert. Uh, I had a traditional practice my whole life. So I've done you know, hotels, bars, and restaurants. I thought this was glamorous, you know, working in Dubai, working in Europe. We just did our first skyscraper. And then I literally got my this awakening. I said, I'm actually a healer. Architecture is for healing. I understand sacred geometry very deeply. I studied in Italy, Renaissance. It was like imbued in all the temples of Europe. And I was like, wait a minute, we need to be doing regenerative net zero, um, you know, repairing people, families, communities, the earth. 
and healing. So I called my team. It's all women actually. And I said, we are taking like a U-turn. And so that's what we've been doing for the past two years. Amazing. So much to dive into there. Um, and I think what's so cool about you is that you're, you're such a channel. And then the way you have used this, like what you said, like you realize like I'm a healer and you like channel these buildings and bring it all together. Sometimes I feel like you have, I always feel like this whenever I'm talking to you or I see you talking, I'm like, I feel like you have so much genius just flowing through you. Like, I don't even know how you bring it into, into the 3d. (laughs) Do you ever feel like that? Well, I, you know, for me, I know people talk about, um, you know, various clairs or seeing, you know, colors or smelling things. I literally see geometry all the time, just in the air around me. So I often see the structure of space or the sun or plants or people or, you know, vibrations. And I've always seen this and just thought this was kind of, you know, normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and also didn't really tell people, I was like, yeah. Oh no, but I see, I see structures. And what I love about geometry is that it is truly universal. It is multidimensional. It exists at all scales. It is fractal and it truly is like it exists throughout the universe. It mm-hmm. isn't, you know, we've kind of discovered some aspects of it, you know, or mankind has at the lower levels, but it truly is part of creation. And so that's, what's exciting to me is I feel like that's what I'm here to do is to listen. You know, some people might hear music, but I, I see form and then, and things reveal themselves to me over time. So I'll be working on a project and pieces will be given to me Hmm. usually when I'm hiking or, you know, early in the morning, but I'm, I receive pieces of it and then I, I go build it and then I get more information. So so cool. So cool. Okay. I want to dive. I want to go back a little bit. So like, have you been seeing the sacred geometry and everything since you were a kid or like, when did this first start showing up? I have. So it started about seven years old. I remember walking in the yard and I, I was very obsessed with numerology and I would walk, I remember walking around the yard, playing with sevens and threes and trying to make combinations. Um, I was trying to find books on Kabbalah. I was raised in a Christian family and, you know, in a Jewish neighborhood. So I was trying to like, you know, find things about the mystical meaning of numbers. And I knew that numbers had meaning. Mm -hmm. And then from there I got into, you know, all kinds of, especially when you study churches, you know, all the the history of, of numbers and the Vedic tradition and all this stuff. So I started putting it together in my head or my goal when I was a seven year old, it was that I wanted to write a book explaining what every number in the world meant. Mm. That was my goal. (laughs) Do you think you're still going to do that? I think I will. I mean, it it is a bit subjective too. Yeah. You know, it is personal, just like, you know, truth is relative, right? Numbers can mean different things or it it has to do with your vibration, with your frequency as well. Mm -hmm. So I care more about matching the person to the vibration of their space so that it, it basically telegraphs, it leverages them. It gives them power and it becomes a resonant chamber amplifying their being. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there amplifying community. Yeah, totally. I actually just like earlier today, I recorded a podcast about numbers and what they mean. And I spent like 15 minutes at the beginning saying like, this is like how I intuit it and what it means to me, but it could mean something totally different to you. And I know there's like, you know, things that are agreed upon within numerology, but I do think that's important um, because to your point, it's like, things can have certain meaning for you as well. And there is that subjectivity that a lot of people don't necessarily like, cause we want to put everything in a box. Um, but 
I think it's so cool that for like, from a young age, you were so into this, you were, you just knew, right. Like the wisdom of like, when we're kids, we just know, we just know like numbers have so much meaning. And so what were some of the first things you were discovering in terms of the connection between numbers and like the church? Well, I was lucky enough to study in Florence, Italy, studying Renaissance architecture. And instead of looking at a slide, we would literally go to the building and it was freezing cold and I would sit and draw. And I was discovering, you know, circles, triangles, squares, golden sections, all of that magic math was Mm -hmm. in unfolding. And I realized that it was imbued. Like you don't see those shapes drawn over the facade, but they are cooked in and they are baked in to every one of those buildings, everything the Medici ever built, every city, state, capital, government building. It's about power and geometry is free. I mean, this is a resource available to anyone, but we don't have the knowledge. And so my goal is to teach people like we have so much power. It's crazy amount of power. And we just need to tap in and have our environment start to resonate. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine what we can do. I know. I mean, well, when you first... I had never really heard about anyone talking about these concepts before the way that you talk about them. And when we had grabbed dinner that one night, like, you know, at the time, I think I was just moving into this house. And I remember just coming back to me and like, I think I have to rethink my whole, like everything has to be so much more intentional now because I'm like aware of what all of these symbols and shapes, well, not aware of what they all mean, but I'm starting to become conscious of like, what does this mean? And how do I want my space uh, to make me feel and what's going to help me feel that way. And I would love for you to share more of like, like something that blew my mind that you're talking about was the, the programming that's built into the buildings that are common in our areas. Can you share more about that? And like what certain things mean that are really common? So yeah, people don't understand at all, but I see buildings as the ultimate, it's literally truly the definition of a manifestation of an idea. So there's an intent, like I want to make a church or a school and I want it to embody these values. And then literally the aligned action is piece of wood, piece of wood, plaster, stone over years, reinforcing that intent. So imagine, and mass equals energy, right? So here we have, it's literally a massive manifestation of power, of belief, of control, of dominion. Most architecture historically has been designed by men, right? So we live in an entire world built, you know, by men with their understanding of it. I mean, and we take so many things for granted. I call it visual clip art. So most American doors are two foot eight wide by six foot eight tall, but that's actually a very dissonant proportion. If you played that in music, it would hurt your ears. And it hurts my eyes because I see it and it hurts me, (laughs) but people, that's just what they sell at Home Depot, right? So we are being fed these little like annoying pieces of music. It's like, if we were in a restaurant, we heard these annoying, like we would, we would cower, but we're not sensitized to the built environment. But I actually think like you can sense it, right? So once you know this and you tune in, it's not that hard to drop in. (laughs) And then it's just, you know, just living it and feeling it out. So, yeah, I mean, I think even just like when you were, you were talking to me about like the, the height of the doorway and where it can make you, it can almost like, or or even the height of the ceiling and how it can like suppress your growth. Right. And like, what are the, I mean, I mean, I started to think about something I was drawn to in this house that I wasn't even conscious of, but until you had brought that up to me was the ceilings are super high in every single bed. Like there's no room with, without a super high ceiling. And I was like, that is why I feel 
expansive here and where I feel like this was the place for me to, to grow. And, but I had, and then I started to notice when I went to other buildings now, now I'm very aware of like, when I go into anywhere, like a building with a very, with short ceilings or small doors, I feel that constriction, constrictive energy. Um, and I think for me, I start to question, I'm like, has it been intentional to kind of, you think it has, it's it's an intentional thing to like keep us from our power. A thousand percent. And I think just the simplest explanation of this is using like the Fibonacci series or the golden section. So that is basically the rate of growth of nature. So if you look at like a ram's horn or a nautilus, every time it goes around, like basically each cycle is 1.618 times the cycle before. So it makes sense that if we are in a space, if we are more, if it is less than 1.618, it's going to feel constrictive to us. So basically that means if you have an eight foot ceiling and you are anything taller than five feet tall, you will feel compressed. And this is now codified in the building code. This is the minimum. This is what they're building all the new apartments. I mean, they don't care. I mean, it's, it's more expensive to build taller. Mm -hmm. You know, in Europe, they describe space, including it's cubic. They include the height in the calculation of space. They don't in America. They are literally. I mean, in this country was obviously built on slave labor and tenements and people immigrating, you know, from horrible conditions. I mean, we have a horrible history of kind of social housing. But when I look at new apartments in downtown LA, very expensive, they are not made for our growth. We will never grow in them. And I mean, I look at the government buildings, you know, the churches, the high ceilings, mm-hmm. that expansion. So that's a, I mean, it's, it's really eye-opening though. And I think it's cool for like, maybe if you can point out some things that we could pay attention to in buildings that people are more aware, like we've talked a little bit about like the height of the ceilings and what the doorways, what are some other things to look for in buildings that have some like deeper symbolism that people might be able to start to pay attention to? Well, I think it's, it's very important to see what lines up with what, um, look for any symmetry. Symmetries are used to control you typically, um, any object that repeats, you know, restaurants make things look cool by pink booth, pink booth, pink booth. You know, it kind of ropes you in like you're listening to the beat of a music. See when you're being manipulated, what it's making you feel and think. It's literally just opening your eyes. Mm. You know, also, it's like, where are they forcing you to walk? Are you being compressed? Is your voyage actually choreographed? Like you come into a big space and you go into something smaller and you come out. It's a journey and they're telling you a story. It's a song that you're not hearing, but you mm. feel it. Mm-hmm. So it's so much to think about. Well, what about like what we're filling our space with? Right. So there, I feel like there's this big wave of like minimalism and like less is more on people like really clearing things out. Um, and like, how, what is that? What is that suggesting energetically? Is that, do you think that's helpful or how do you feel about that? Yeah. I think this is part of like a general deprogramming. So we are kind of clearing the decks, but I look at minimalism our extreme minimalism is like a juice cleanse. So you mm. do it for a period of time and then you have to go to healthy foods and a diet that is more permanent. So you cannot live in that type of minimalism forever. I also think that the marketplace has glommed onto this because if we all like the same things, we'll all buy more of the same product, right? I mean, I would tell people, yeah, I mean, I have so much to say, but it's like, don't ever look at design trends 2021. Ignore it. It's, it's about you your power, your gifts, your vision. So yes, a declutter, 
take it down to the bones, but then you have to fill it with things that nourish you physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and are aligned with your mission. And then I would say, you know, find geometries that resonate with you. And every person will have different geometries that they're drawn to. You can do that in any apartment. It doesn't matter the size or shape, any house. You can do this with, with paint, with rugs, with furniture, and start to use those geometries just as you would if you were a Renaissance architect trying to create power, because that's what you're trying to do. Mm. Okay. I would love to talk more about some of these um, geometries. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I've been cleaning out my closet. I have a sweatshirt with like (laughs) these different shapes on it. And I started to think, what does this mean? (laughs) Like, am I wearing something that I, that I don't want to be wearing? Um, Can you talk about like some of the, some of the different common shapes we see and like what they symbolize? Sure. So a circle is the most basic. So that literally is the self. It is a cell. It is the sun, it's the moon, it's, um, it's a pregnant belly, it's oneness. So sometimes when people are craving, you know, healing, um, collective gathering, nurturing, you know, that kind of healing mm-hmm. and kind of returning to source, they're drawn to circles. Uh, a spiral is also a really common shape. And that is more about kind of like the journey of life, like the meander. It just as, you know, every, every year we go around the sun, we're not the same, right? We're in the same place, but different. So that's a metaphor for life. And people might be intuitively drawn to that. I love then, spirals. I'm big into spirals. Well, but what's interesting is, you know, my understanding, I mean, you're very committed to growth, yeah, right? And the journey and fully exploring the journey, discussing it, you know, proudly living this. You, I think you are an embodiment of that spiral of growth. Thank you. Thank you. It's true. But I, I mean, that. so that's, but I mean, I think that's really resonates for me, you know, to associate with you. But I remember I had a time when I was, I was really sick and I, this often happens. We have transformations when we, we get sick. Um, I was collecting hand painted eggs and it was wholeness. I was seeking wholeness and I didn't know, but I was like bound to the couch and I was like on eBay looking for amazing, intricate painted eggs. And I love crafts and textiles and stuff like that. And I didn't see the symbolism but I wanted to be whole. So mm. that's kind of like, you know, the circle, the ellipse, you know? Yeah. Well, it makes sense too, with like domes, you know, like, like, like going to healing centers that are like in a dome, it makes you feel like you're like, like in the womb, <laughs> you know? So it makes well, sense. The celestial sky. So that's why churches have domes. It literally is a replication of the heavens. And a lot of uh, temples have a square base, which represents earth. So we tend to think of, you know, north, south, east, west, like we can go up or down or sideways. But then once it gets to the heavens, there's a transition to something round and ethereal. So that's exactly why they do that. And if you actually look at the geometry of a church, if you take a cube, like a six-sided cube, and you unfold it, it makes a cross, right? So they've literally unfolded a box and put a dome on top. I mean, talk about like gathering people and cementing them under God right? So amazing. So that's, I mean, that's the message contained in a basilica. So that's so cool. Okay. Okay. So circles, spirals, you started with squares. So you said like earth and then, um, triangle it's triangle is dynamic and triangle is very mystical. It's, um, it's directional. It's the first stable shape. So like two is, is just a line, right? So two can't really be anything, but a triangle is, you know, the simplest 
three-dimensional form. So it's associated with trinities, whether that's, you know, birth, life, and death, or, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, whatever it is. So in most traditions, there's a mystical association with the number three, and it's also directional. So when you have it, it's, it's pointing somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then it's a Fibonacci as well. And then with the pyramid, can you, can you share more about the pyramid? Well, the thing about the great pyramids is they seem to incorporate and embody a lot of just the laws of physics and science. Like it's the exact angle that you need to look at to see a rainbow is the angle of the sides. It's containing all the measurements of the earth. It's containing, you know, information about the speed of light. So it seems to be basically a magnifier. And there are a lot of experiments have been done that a pyramid ex- of exactly that shape placed over fruits will cause them to stay fresh longer. There's a preservation. Really? Yeah. There are, yeah, you could build a pyramid over your house or over the room right now and you would, you would be preserved. (laughs) Well, I guess, (laughs) yeah, well, I mean, I guess if it's, the roof doesn't really count because it's not like a straight pyramid. Well, yeah, it's not like a traditional pyramid, right? Within, I mean, geometry Mm -hmm. can exist at any scale. So it could even be just like above you. It could be a small one, but uh, the geometry is really powerful and it's been proven in so many ways. That's so wild. And so like, I think what's cool, what's really interesting to me is, I mean, this is like, they have, people have been using this for forever, like understanding how sacred these, these geometries are and using them for their advantage. And I feel like now people don't even look at it that way. I mean, you do, but I feel like now they don't look at it that way. Is this part of why people are so drawn to ancient structures? Absolutely. And I think we've become so disconnected, you know, kind of laughing when they talk about biophilia. It's like, oh, great. Now that we, you know, spent a century and a half looking at science and the miracle of technology and realized that we basically don't know shit and nature is everything. And we, you know, we can't ever explain it, right? You can't explain a complex system with a simpler one. You know, and science has all these closed systems. Like nature doesn't have closed systems. Everything is interconnected. But when people are talking about biophilia, they're talking about using the laws of nature. And it's like, no shit, people have been doing this forever. And using sacred geometry literally is using the structure of space-time, the structure of cells, the structure of you know snowflakes. That seems so basic to me. Why would we build rectangular houses when we could be doing all this powerful stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. So like what type of structure would I want to be in if I want to amplify all of my psychic gifts? Well, I think you'd probably want a a pyramid portion, but you could also have a house that is a collection of some of these shapes, or it could be a compound that's laid out in a grid similar to a crystal grid or any other geometry used for amplification. Mm -hmm. So we just have to find the forms that resonate with you. And it's also important to do things at many different scales. So let's say there's a spiral at this scale or a pyramid at the scale, also at a smaller scale and a smaller scale. It, it has to be fractal. Mm-hmm. And that's what they use fractal geometry in Hindu temples like crazy. They use it in mosques. They used it in Gothic cathedrals. They took it from, um, from the mosques and they learned about because it's basically connecting us to the geometry of the infinitely small and the infinitely large. So we could, you know, have a bottle of wine and sketch it out on a napkin. Yeah. <laughs> so, so cool though. Well, I'm curious, like, because I know you've worked with like 
like hotels, for example. And do you incorporate all of this into like a hotel? Like what would, what, what are you paying attention to within a hotel itself? Well, before I realized that this was like the, the true path and the only path to be on, I was still using proportion systems. I think proportions are very important. So we did a lot of, you know, condo buildings, apartment buildings, but we would pick a proportion and basically Easter egg it in the whole thing. And when you're walking through a building that the hallway is the same proportion as the window is the same proportion as the floor plan is the same proportion as, you know, everything around you is all the same proportion. You start to relax into a feeling of that vibe. You're literally inhabiting that vibe. So we've always been very conscious of if this is the proportion, let's call it three to five, you know, three in direct one direction, five in the other. We don't violate that because it's like everyone's playing a certain tune and one person's making a noise. It's so interesting because obviously I pay attention to how I feel in different environments and it just adds a whole other layer because, and I'm sure people listening to the, to this podcast, it's like, you know, you think about how, how, if you walk into a building, you think, I don't feel good here. You probably think it's, uh, what are the people, the people around me? Like, is there weird energy here? Um, color is probably is easier for people to think, to think about like what colors are around them and how that's making them feel. But I think like, it's kind of mind blowing to go to the next level because it's so obvious, like you said, but I think like most people don't think about that, like the actual structure of this, how is this making me feel? And I'm thinking about different hotels I've been at before and stayed at and why sometimes I felt super expansive and aligned and inspired. And other times I felt like cold and dark and suppressed. And like my brain was going to explode. Does that make sense? (laughs) Well, and the crazy thing is, you know, nobody's taught design. This is a huge problem. Like we learn a little bit of music, a little bit of art, you know, just enough. Well, not even to be dangerous. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, just to like say that we did it right. Check that box. But um, no one has taught design. And I went to design school for seven years. And my job is literally to create power, to create emotions in people, to get people to want to buy things. I mean, I've been on the owner side of this, on the patron side. Yeah. So I've been literally paid to create that feeling that Mm -hmm. this person is cool. This is sexy. This is ancient. This is, and it's all just a bag of tricks and it's not that hard. And there aren't that many tricks. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to learn. Oh my God. Well, I, I'm curious, like, how was this for you when you were, when you were in school? And like, I know you, you talked about like, weren't you like the only, were you the only female architect there? I was, yeah, there were only three of us in the whole program. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious, like how, I mean, you've always been kind of aware of this. Were other people understanding this, this view on things or was this very against the grain? No, not at all. And when I went to school, I mean, I was lucky. I went to, um, to Penn undergrad and they were very much into traditional stuff. So they were connected to the churches and temples and they thought that was okay. I did my graduate school at UCLA. And UCLA, there's never been a tree on a plan. Um, they were into deconstructivism. It was about ego. It was about appearances, shallow. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And here I was doing my numerology and trying to work out proportions. And I sucked. I mean, a lot of the studios, I fought with people. Um, I like did anti-professor graffiti on the walls. I was very like destructive, literally got into fights with people who won Pritzkers afterwards, you know, but um, yeah, I, I didn't even get, get, get along. <laughs> so, but I always had a little flame in me that just told me that I wasn't wrong. 
but I have felt wrong in my profession for so long. And I actually withdrew from the part of town. Like I was on Spring Street downtown, all the architects are there. We literally moved to the garment district because I felt that people were more creative and more relaxed and I couldn't be around the architects because we're just not like them. Mm. And sometimes you have to isolate to protect your little flame, you know? Yeah. It's so, I mean, but did anybody else feel like you were like onto something? I mean, cause I would, I would hope that people intuitively would like kind of pick up on like, this makes sense. I had a couple people throughout my life saying, I'm going to watch you. Like, I believe in you. I'm going to watch mm-hmm. you. I've had, I've been lucky to have a couple mentors. I've also had some mentors who thought I got too crazy and, you know, let me go. And so you just have to, you know, trust the beat of your own drum, right? And, yeah. and follow it. So I can't say it's been easy, but I feel that now I'm just coming to kind of a completion, you know, the cycle kind of, I kind of checked the boxes I wanted to check in my job. I feel like I have a proficiency. I feel like I have some power and now I feel, and also now I can train people coming out of school. I mean, I think, we, you know, we had to isolate ourselves to kind of do our own thing. I'm lucky that all of the people I've brought into the firm, I bring up these ideas. Hey, I want to use earth, you know. Hey, I want to do sacred geometry only. I'm obsessed with domes and it's okay. So I have this amazing group of girls. I was teaching at USC and I saw these amazing, talented, passionate people who are getting passed over because ego is everything in architecture. If you don't kind of front and do these aggressive drawings and really good renders, you get passed over. And so I kind of kept collecting these like amazing people, but I'm lucky that, you know, I can say I want to do, you know, I want to do all domes now. I want to do, you know, triangle village. And they're like, cool. (laughs) So it's, it's so interesting to me because I would think architect architecture should be creative. And it's like, it's been so structured. It's like not even allowing you to be creative. I mean, you're, you're clearly creative in it, but just like how it's traditionally taught at this point, it seems like it's just not even allowing for real creativity. And I think it's very fascinating. Like from a programming perspective, you know, I think this time on the planet, it's about realizing where are we actually playing a role in continuing this? And there are probably a lot of people you think about like, um, somebody who's an architect and they don't even realize what they're being taught and what they're being taught to implement. And then they're continuing this programming through buildings without, without being ill-intentioned. So I think that's just a whole other layer too. It's like a wake up call of like, what am I continuing and whatever industry is that I haven't questioned or tapped into my intuition and said, like, is this actually aligned or is this just what I've been told to do? Well, then the profession is terrifying in that way because they only hire a certain type of person you have a certain type of job. They make you act, you're like a grunt in the beginning. You're working 80 hours a week. You're making no money and they kind of break you. And then you realize you have to play ball. You have to rise up through this hierarchical system. 80% of the women who go to architecture school drop out of the profession. It is 50-50 in school. And these people might be paying $200,000 for a degree and then dropping out to go into, you know, it could be set design or, you know, it could be something cool, but I think we need women in the built environment or we need feminine energy, mm-hmm. but then there's no mentorship. They are bullied out of jobs. Jobs are stolen from you. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, and not to mention, I mean, the construction industry is still very male dominated. L- women literally have to know more about construction. You know, it's like, no, twice as much, all that kind of thing. But luckily yeah. it is not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We're smarter anyway. <laughs> 
what? It's like, it's like uncle, you know, but it's, yeah. it's been crazy. So I'm hoping that things are improving, but I had to make a firm that didn't exist for me because paradigms have to change or the world will not. But exactly what you're saying, we have to stop this indoctrination. And, you know, the small firms, they go out of business. The big firms take all the jobs. Uh, they're tied in with the cities. They're getting all the municipal money. They're building all of the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the programming is just heavy and thick. Yeah. Well, I think the other side of it is it's like, I'm so grateful that like you're coming on today to share more about this, because I think the more people that are aware of this, uh, like from the consumer point of view, will be looking for, for architects who, who are aware as, as well, right? Like, like creating the, the demand for it. Cause I'm sure everybody listening to the show now is going to start to think about where they live and am I buying a house next time? Or do I want to build something that actually feels aligned for me and like becoming so much more aware of that. Um, so I think that's really important, but I, I did want to touch on like this masculine feminine energy piece, because I'm starting to wonder in what ways does masculine energy show up in, in, in design, like in geometry, and then what allows for more feminine energy to, to step through? I'm curious about that. Um, architect, like in terms of architecture. Well, I think there's some things that are inherently kind of, kind of a masculine construct, like hierarchy, which is kind of man-made, like the highest tree in the forest, isn't the best tree necessarily, or the biggest animal isn't the most vicious animal, like a giraffe is, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff about you know, kind of worshiping things architecturally about, you know, skyscrapers, about the symmetry, um, hierarchy, my building's taller than yours. So there's a lot of, you know, or people see people with like the double height foyer, right? My front door is bigger than yours. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say big dick energy. Obviously, yeah, our small dick energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? no, but that's what it is. And it's not about, you know, sharing responsibility, about sharing resources. I think women would approach things in an entirely different way. And I actually, I feel this is kind of like a conspiracy theory type thing, but go for it. Am I, I think I'm in the right place, but um, (laughs) I think, you know, men have gathered men were working, you know, together, they can hang out after work. They can have drinks. They can say, Oh yeah, I'm going to get this job. You can, you can have it. They belong to social clubs. Women have been isolated in these single family dwellings one after the other. They literally can't speak to each other because they each have to clean a house and take care of kids. I mean, now women are working and stuff like this, but the isolation is horrific. And also not to mention the consumerism that this forces us into, because now you need every house has a stove and every house has two refrigerators and all of this shit we need to buy. And I think the average American house is like over 300,000 discrete objects in it. I mean, it's just mind boggling. So of course they want this, right? And it's like, what if we started changing the zoning code? What if we started to have, you know, six families on land and we grew our vegetables together and we shared a communal kitchen and we shared resources and this became more affordable and it was better use of land. And, you know, we could regeneratively farm, you know, we can improve the environment. So, you know, now it's like the zoning code is against us. The construction industry is against us. Um, you say us, but I just, I'm very mad that women have been isolated. Yeah. They haven't been allowed to gather physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we are, you know, can at least virtually, but. Well, and we've been taught. I think in many ways to an extent taught to not, to not want to gather together because we have been pitted against each other. Yeah. Like there's so much competition, you know, and it's, it's so interesting. Like I'm just, my, my wheels are turning as you're saying this because I've never thought about it this way, but very much when I see, um, new earth, like 
on 3D plane, like everything you're describing is exactly how it's been shown to me for a long time. So it makes so much sense, you know, like why wouldn't we all, I mean, I mean, it is community. It is shifting the way we grow food and like starting, starting to actually collaborate. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's what's going to end up happening just because people are, are so split and, and people are starting to kind of cluster with like-minded individuals. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like we're headed there. Do you, do you feel like it is going that direction? I mean, I think we used to have more of tribes and then there was such a global movement, you know, people starving and literally being shipped off somewhere else or voluntarily migrating, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always like adapt, migrate or die. And so, so many people have moved around the planet, but now we're forming new communities Mm -hmm. and it's not a birth family. It's a chosen family and like-minded groups. And, um, absolutely. That's the future. If you could like redesign a town, what would, what would be the big things that you would be shifting? Oh my God. Well, no grids, right? No grids. No, No, it's, and yeah, more, more circles, more, um, more green space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, what, what are the priorities here? Yeah. Grids grids make me angry. Um, stacked box housing makes me angry. Why? Because it's it's like compression. And we're literally put into boxes, you know, down long hallways. And it's like, you, you don't know if you get off of the wrong floor, you can't find your house. I mean, what kind of thing is this? We have no visual cues. We have no literal power. That's so true. I always felt like whenever, like in college, like walking down a dorm hallway and like, I'm like, which door is mine? I always felt like, like, if you're like on drugs or drunk or you don't know what the, what the hell you're doing, like, it's the same experience as if you're sober, like you don't know where you are. Mm Okay. When people get money, they move into gated communities where everything has to be the same color and people are craving sameness because the world is scary. Like Mm. we need order, but you can do order architecturally without total conformity. Mm. You can still allow for individuality, you know, but we need to use geometry. We need to use pattern language. We need to understand ourselves in in terms of design. I think we have to start there. Mm -hmm. Like each person has to find out what they want. And you said like your friends buying houses the power is in the hands of the consumer because if the consumer doesn't buy the product, developers will change. I mean, I can preach all day long, but at the end of the day, I work for the developers. I mean, sometimes homeowners, right? And I want to develop my own version of the earth. <laughs> that's, that's my next step is, you know, I'm working on that. But if your friends flat out refuse to buy something that is oppressive, that is, you know, keeping us small, you're just a number, you know, and also one more thing, one more rant about um, resale. I mean, there's this whole idea like, oh, you know, we have, we want to do this for resale. Who lives in the house? Like you live in the house Well, you're doing it for an imaginary person in the future. Yeah. And this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Like whose life is it? We could all die <laughs> tomorrow. You know, that is a construct literally designed to take our power away. Wow. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if there's anything to this. How do you feel about like bowls and plates? Is that part of this too? Like I'm like thinking of things that everybody buys, like we all use in our, like, is that part of it too? Yeah. Oh, everything. Every single thing. It all has a vibration. It all has a geometry. Either mm-hmm. it goes well with each other. It was, maybe it was made by intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of ceramics and pottery and things made by hand that literally capture the energy of the person who created it. Um, rather than a factory or things that are plastic, but yeah, it's all part of it. So what does it say about somebody if they feel like, cause I know some people are very drawn to 
like everything being very structured and ordered and like everything needs to match, you know, that person that has 20 of the same white shirt in their closet and 20 of the same pants. And like, that's how their whole, their whole house is set up like that. Like where they crave that order, as opposed to the thought of having all these different, uh, types like bowls and, and cups that are handmade that are not exactly the same would cause them like anxiety. Like, what is that saying about, about their energy? Well, that person might just have a big need for order, right? Yeah. So the psychological need that their home is providing for them is order and kind of conformity and that even not surprising, nothing out of place. Mm-hmm. And it gives them a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. But for me, the thing that gives me peace is, you know, indigenous textiles. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to have lots of pattern and a lot of things made by hand. So mm-hmm. for me, handmade things feel cozy and I like richness of texture. But if someone loves that, I mean, that's, that's great. And it could be that they need that environment, but then they express themselves through music or mm-hmm. through dance or through some other modality. So it's as individual as we are. Yeah. I love that. And I said, it's cool because I've been really realizing recently just that I really thrive. I mean, this is also my human design. Like I thrive in different locations. Right. And so we've been toying with like having a few different places we can, we can spend some time in mm-hmm. and I've realized just like the energy of like, like being in Arizona and kind of like the style of the homes there and like just the the pattern. And I'm like, this gives me one whole type of frequency that I'm receiving that evens me out in one way. And then being here in this house, it's very open and lots of white and big ceilings. It's like a different type of frequency. And then we have like this other place we like to go to where it's a different type of style. And I feel like it like feeds me in, in different ways and kind of balances me out differently, depending on how I'm feeling too. Well, it's beautiful. I mean, one could be for relaxation. One could be for connection to body. One could be intellectual. One could be restorative. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's amazing that you know that. And I think, you know, environment, I think matters less for people until their Saturn return. And then it becomes really, really important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, it's, this is the time to figure it out. I think if people are in their twenties now become educated, become attuned so that you are fully harnessing this power. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love this. Um, so I want to hear about your like project. Can you, are you allowed to share more about what you're working on with the temple? Yes. Yeah. Can you share so, more about it? So this is actually, it's is a vision I had at age seven and it's been haunting me ever since I keep drawing it over and over again. And I finally moved to the Mojave desert and my human design. I'm a, I'm a dry kitchen. <laughs> so <you> I'm exactly <laughs> where I'm supposed to be. Finally, I escaped Los Angeles. But um, I just knew it had to be in the desert. And it was, there are so many overlapping um, cosmologies, whether it is like the Vedic tradition, um, Kabbalah, astrology, and it's kind of based on the tree of life and also based on numerology. And I'm so obsessed with geometry in general or always. It's what I think about all day. But the idea is that it's 10 temples and each temple represents a different aspect of source. So one is loving kindness, one is compassion, one is strength. And each of these corresponds with a number. And in the human plane, it might be, it's a two-dimensional shape or a three-dimensional volume, but that is as it goes up higher. So for example, like the orbit of Venus around the sun creates a pentagon. So that's associated with temple five, which is Gaborah in the tree of life. I mean, all the cosmologies overlap. I said, why don't we just make a physical manifestation of this overlap of this meeting point? and express it purely through geometry. So not through ego, 
But the Pentagon, as it goes above the human plane, it turns into a stellated dodecahedron. So just to be able to do a meditation or sound bath or yoga class or have a healing in a space that is just an embodiment of geometry in the th third dimension and beyond. So that it's kind of like a jiffy lube for the soul. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> and I need some five energy. It's like, you know, it's like getting your B12 shot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I need some five energy. I really need some eight energy. You know, 10 is all about community and about people gathering. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one through 10. Oh my God. So when is it going to be done? So I have just been designing it like crazy. Um, yeah. We hopefully will get the land this fall. Um, so hopefully building, I mean, it'll probably take about two years to build. Um, but I also want to do a piece of it where actually people own small pieces of it so that it's something that belongs to many people mm -hmm. and that they can own, you know, it's, it's meant to be for the people and also some of the money going back to the land. It's not meant to be, um, some people came and wanted to invest, but it's like, if this just made money for like three rich families, I would feel terrible, you know? Yeah. But that's not the spirit of the place. So, um, like, I cannot wait to visit. I would love to, to like be able to use it for some healing work. And I am just like, so excited to, to see it. It's like a dream. I, I mean, it's literally like, but you said it's like this physical manifestation of all of these energies that we want to feel incredible. The solar alignment, you know, the alignment with the stars. Um, I want to have like days when it's free, just open to the public. Um, it's meant to use like, you no know, sunset, um, or sunrise to sunset. But yeah, so I mean, you could take it over and have events in all, all the different ones or, you know, it's meant to be a place of community, a place of um, spiritual gathering, but also of, of activation. Because I do think that some people, if words aren't getting to them and maybe sound like they can kind of feel it, but I'm hoping that even just being the presence of geometry at that scale and that concentrated serves to activate. Oh, totally. It totally will. I totally yeah. will. Yeah. It, it literally has to, it's like yeah. you're literally inside of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think that's going to be so, yeah, so powerful. It's, gonna, it's just like amplifies all the energy. I'm super excited about that. And like, I, I also would love for you to talk more about like the sustainability piece and the materials used, because I think that's another layer to this. Like even, you know, where we're living, it's like, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't know really who built this? I don't really, I don't really know where this came from. Can you talk more, more about that? But actually what's beautiful, my understanding is it's an old house, right? So it's already kind of in, inherently sustainable. A lot of the construction they're doing now is only meant to last 30 or 40 years. Hmm. So imagine how short that life cycle. So people talk about how, how, you know, cheap it is, but it's not, if you're looking at a hundred years and, you know, the indigenous view is 200 years. It's meant to be seven generations. Can this last? So I think where we need to move kind of emotionally, psychologically is to the idea of kind of permanence and maybe that there's a permanent shell and maybe we can change things inside. So whether it's a rammed earth, you know, very low carbon um, shell, but you can change the interior walls. Let's say you have a family and you take down this wall and you put up a different one so that it can move with you or grow. They have beautiful structures in China where the youngest people live on the top level of a structure as they get older and have families, they move lower. And then on the ground level as the senior citizens because they're less mobile mm. so that people can use structures at a different time, at different periods of their life. What about like different materials and what they mean energetically, like different building materials? Well, obviously anything that's really toxic or off gassing. 
yeah. it's problematic, but imagine like even wood has an energy, the tree yeah. from it's a certain frequency. It vibrates a certain way. It came from a certain forest, every material, every piece of furniture speaks mm-hmm. to you as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just feeling into it. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if oh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. I'll send it to you later. I don't, have you been to Santa Fe? No. So in Santa, I, I was, I was there for the first time a couple of weeks ago and we went to this church and there was this like miracle staircase and everybody goes to see the miracle staircase. And like the story is basically the, the sisters at the church were praying that somebody would help them build a staircase. This man shows up and he like locks himself away for a week. He's like, I'll build this. And he, he's like, it's done. And it's a spiral staircase with no central column and there were no railings. And it's literally just, and it was like a long time ago. And, and they say there, you know, when you're reading the information, like nobody's been able to figure out like how to make sense of it. Uh, like no engineers or like architects like can make sense of it. And you know, my boyfriend Parker, he, he's like, this isn't true. Like I should crunch the number. Like all I, and I'm like, no, it's a miracle. Right. Like me, but I, I feel like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, what was interesting was the wood that, that was built. They like tested the wood later and that wood it's nowhere in the area. Like they couldn't even figure out where the wood was from. Like it was from some, and he had no help. It was just him is how the story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about that now. And I'm like, when I was, when we were just visiting, I was just standing there and I literally was like going to start sobbing. Cause I could just feel the vibration. Mm-hmm. I could just feel the vibration from the, from the spiral staircase to the wood itself. Like, I mean, it just felt like pure magic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also harnessing a geometry too. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the geometry has a lot to do with it, but no, that's amazing. And I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm gonna send, I want to send you information be, about it. Cause I feel like you'd be so into it. I'd be curious what, what you, what you would say about it. I feel like you'd have some really cool insight. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was really incredible. And like with that, in terms of land, like when you are looking for a land, what, what are you looking at in terms of the land itself? Well, a lot of it too has to do with the purpose. So um, in Joshua 3, a lot of the earth has like an, a magnetic charge, which is good for, for temples, but you don't want to live there all the time. Temples have historically built on places where there's fault lines and there's under underground water. So really it's like having a relationship with, you know, with the hillside, with the valleys of understanding what it feels like, what's happening underneath the earth, you know, and of course, just the ergonomics, you know, the sun, the shade, the views, um, all the things that, you know, contribute to the 3d human life too. Yeah. yeah, You know, you have to just feel into it and you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's like a language. It's like people who say that they can't hear like their guides or whatever, but like, like once you tune into it, you're like, Oh, they're screaming all the time. (laughs) You know, you'll get tuned into this and watch out. Like, cause now you'll have it. You'll go onto land and it won't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What was, was that, was that what it was like for you? Like at what point did you feel like, Oh my God, they're screaming. Oh, I just finally realized like, like, it wasn't just crazy things. It wasn't just visions. I'm like, oh no, these are instructions. I'm being yelled at instructions, like write this down, do this. And it's interesting because some of it's kind of a little bit conflicting and you have to sort through because it's a lot of voices and a lot of information coming. Mm-hmm. But basically what I was told is like, this is a key. It's kind of like an alphabet book or like Montessori school where you show people cards and I'm like, this is the shape, but it's like, introducing people to geometry and that yeah. even through the experience of the temples that they will learn and become attuned to geometry, which helps them in their understanding of nature and the earth, mm-hmm. you know, and of their relationship to space itself. So that's like my mission as I was given, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, it's so, it's so important. It's like an instant activation. And I think 
this is really helpful for people because I think a lot of people, when they think sacred geometry, it, it feels a lot more complicated, you know? And I think that how a lot of people in spiritual space, like I have, where is it? I have a card deck, mm-hmm. but it's a sacred geometry card deck. And it has all of these intricate designs. Mm-hmm. I've been very, I've always been very drawn to sacred geometry and like the way I have utilized it so to speak as I just like stare at it and I feel myself being activated and I just feel information coming through from it and I don't have a logical tangible explanation of what means what I just look at it I'll meditate I just feel it um you know and I was like that for me when I was little too I would go outside and I would I would look stare at the ground um and I would just always see the shapes there and maybe this these really intricate designs and then I just like download from that um but I think a lot of people now like they they're like, how do, what do you, they're always like, what do you do with this? Like, what do you do with this? When then we have this more intricate, like sacred geometry symbols. Can you, can you tell people more of like, like, what do you do with that? What's the point? Well, I would say you have to use the geometry. You don't have to necessarily see it, mm-hmm. but let's say you can tape it out on the wall or project it. Mm-hmm. And then you organize your pictures at the nodes. You use it to inform your placement. Mm-hmm. It's like in manifestation, it's like the emotion that you apply. So it kind of gives it the juice. So in a floor plan, you can lay something out with a sacred geometry and then follow the edges with your furniture or at the nodes, you place things. Oh. So it's meant to be a guideline. It's a, it's a matrix or a grid that you snap into mm-hmm. physically. And in doing so, you, you, the power flows. But if it's broken, the power can't flow. Interesting. Okay, that's super helpful. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's not totally. that hard. And it's not, it's not complicated. You take something yeah. you love and play with it. I mean, this is why I hate like design trends. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> just start with, you know, the core and go out from there, you know, and even to start with one wall. I always tell people that there's this belief that people have, I'm going to do this and achieve this. And at the end of that whole journey, I'm going to have my dream house. I was like, no, no, no. You have it completely backward. You have to understand yourself, understand the forms that resonate, that represent your being, just as we each have like a blueprint. We each have a thumbprint. We each have a human design, a, you know, a, an astrology. So you take that into form. And even if you just do one wall that becomes the embodiment of you, it, it accelerates the process of everything that you're trying to manifest. I mean, start with just your shrine wall. Yeah. Start with one wall. It's so, it's so cool because, you know, I've been really into in the last few months, like coming into manifestation, you think of shifting your inner world to shift your outer reality, but then playing with this, okay, how do I shift my external environment to shift me internally? And I have seen how powerfully, like for me, changing my clothes, changing, like all just objects around my house, how I reorganize things, um, colors, like, like how I'm decorating and just clearing things out, reorganizing things, getting new items in my environment completely shifts my vibration. And I would imagine like, like as you're talking, especially for somebody like me, I'm like, this is why I, I need change. You know, my parents used to always get so annoyed with me because I would, (laughs) I would, we do some extravagant bedroom, right? I like plan out my whole bedroom. It would be like, 
wild rainbow specific theme like and then two years later I'd be like I need to I need to wipe all of this I need a different color scheme I need completely different design and I would do that like every two years and they were like can you just stick with your bedroom for like five years at least and I was like I can't you know I was like, I am a spiral yeah, I, was like, I am a spiral so but it makes so much sense because it, it really does change your whole it does change your frequency it changes how you feel internally and and I think that's like very validating for people because, you know, sometimes moving can, can be, sometimes you're not running. Sometimes it's just not a good vibration. No, people should move their stuff around all the time and just see how it feels. Even if they're just rearrange it and let it sit for a couple of days and write about it, you know, kind of journal it month, you know, Sunday to Saturday, change it, do it again, do it again, use it as a learning process, you know? And I wish people would forget what, you know, they want people to think when they come over, like people always start with their living room. I'm like, do not because people think a living room is for someone else. I'm like, your house is for you. I mean, or start with your bedroom, start with something that's intimate to you, important to you, your power center, where you recharge, tune that up. That's the most important place. Wherever you recharge, I would say is the most important place to start Mm. and, you know, experiment. I mean, paint's not even permanent, right? Art's not permanent. Um, it's funny. So furniture can actually embody, um, limiting beliefs. Like if you have an old piece of furniture, that's always depressed you, it can literally remind you of a time. It's the physical embodiment. It's the manifestation of a limiting belief that you carry around with you and you move it around, you know, but you're not getting rid of, or, you know, painting over, like you can, you know, you can change stuff, but that's interesting with like, I think about, I know my mom has a ton of furniture that has just been in her family for a long time. And I'm like, what is the energy of that? That doesn't sound good to me. (laughs) No, my mom too. She had these old, like it was kind of old American, like shaker stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really upset me because like the wood was really dark. It felt dark and heavy. It felt kind of, you know, dark forest, colonial, you know, probably like racist kind of like closed minded. And it was literally the embodiment. And I just, I shudder with this Mm -hmm. furniture. I will never have this furniture. Mm -hmm you know, but it's the same thing. Like you can adapt to migrate or die. So you could paint it a different color. You could change the hardware. You could put something that you love on top of it, literally creating dominion. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's underneath something that, you know, is powerful and meaningful to you, or you can, you know, donate it to a nice place that likes depressing furniture. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll vibe with someone else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Well, I was curious, like, does feng shui play into this? Like, do you incorporate that into your work at all? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, feng shui is basically a different way of looking at the same thing. It's looking at energy flow. You know, what aligns is the chi running out. Um, A lot of it is just, you know, visual control, feeling of power, you know, keeping your power. So it's it's all different slices of the same thing. Mm. So every every way you look at it, you're just slicing the same apple in a just different direction. It's going to make me more aware of stores. Now I'm like, what are you trying to get me to buy? Right. How much money are you trying to get me to spend? Like, (laughs) because there have to be things that they're doing to like guide me toward that. Oh, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and also there's so many um, artificial images online, these renderings that look very seductive, but they might not even be physically possible. You know, Photoshop is so good. You know, they're selling you kind of a mood or a lifestyle. Like a lot of times that people might want to buy a piece of furniture because let's say there was a celebrity in an ad with it, but they like that celebrity because they think she's beautiful or they like her hair or, you know what I mean? Like 
you can like celebrities for very random dumb reasons, or there's some kind of mirroring thing, but then you transfer that to like their chair. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like do the psychological work, figure out what it is that you like mm-hmm. and why, and what makes you more powerful. Mm. No, I love that. What makes you more powerful? What do you really like? Me? So I like, um, I like simple shapes. The house I designed for myself is actually a triangle. Um, and it's like, and the small part of the triangle and it's fractal of course. So the small part is my sanctuary and I have like, you know, so, but I like, um, very comfortable textures. I, I love to sit on very like beautiful velvets and silk, kind of a sumptuous, like a physical, um, luxury. Mm. You know, so it's not maximalist, but even like if the one big sofa is just has to be luxurious. Um, I love an abundance of textures of pattern. I love African textiles, Indian textiles, mm-hmm. you know, Navajo rugs, like all this stuff. So, um, it's about simple moves and, and also natural things. I love stone. I love wood. You know, I love that. I'm, I'm like, do you, when you go into houses, do you like immediately start thinking about what the house says about the person? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, guess yes and no, because I could read into it, but you also learn to tune it out. So imagine a doctor looks at so many bodies, right? So people are self-conscious with the doctor and everyone's like, oh, don't mind my house, which actually that makes me really sad because yeah. you should be so proud of your house. You should be like, open the door and be like, hey, look at my house, you know, yeah. like this is me, but we're taught to like, it's never good enough. It's not the new thing. It's not the, you know, like, just like, you know how like CVS is always like changing the beauty trends. So you're not on top of this. If you're not wearing this color, you know, mm-hmm. so you keep buying things. Furniture is the same thing. So this color is in now, but then it's going to be this one. So you're always dissatisfied. You're always keeping up. And I just would encourage everyone to stop it. Like stop yeah. it. and just like find out what resonates you and what just makes you feel like a monster or a goddess. And it can change. Like you said, like in two years, you're going to come back around. You're like, I hate all of this. Yeah. Especially when you're a spiral. Yeah, a spiral. <laughs> Lifestyle for spiral. <laughs> I'm a triangle. I'm just keep moving around. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Well, and can you explain like, because I know what you call what you do 4D design. Like, what does that mean? Well, I mean, obviously, so we live in a 3D world or with all its awkwardness, but you know, the next dimension would be, you know, 4D. So it's an attempt at approaching something more, something higher. Um, with all the problems inherent in just the physical space, you know, the building codes, um, physics, gravity, all of the things that we have to deal with, mm-hmm. but just kind of acknowledging that we need to take it to the next level, that where we're going, it is more complex. It is more beautiful. It is more interconnected. It is, you know, also designed that is aware of the people who come, the environment, you know, the wildlife around it. It's, it's acknowledging a connection between us all. So yeah, that's I love that. And just imagining like a world where every building you, you like walked into where you actually felt empowered, um, you know, and, and, and seen and expansive, like how different would the world be if we weren't getting all of these subliminal messages of essentially through the architecture around us all the time. Well, I think of it like your favorite songs. So let's say you have like 10 favorite songs, like you were saying about different spaces one might make you feel like it's party time. One is like sexy, you know, one Mm -hmm. is just peaceful. One is just so beautiful. It makes you cry, but that's what space is supposed to be. Also, it's a manifestation of that vibration. And 
people like it's not even possible that people can't understand space because they understand music and architecture and music are the same thing. Like they're both experienced over time. They're both based in geometry. They're both about proportional relationships. Like they're the same. It's just frozen, right? Yeah. So if architecture is frozen music, just learn to, you know, we just need better songs. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. That's, that's super quotable. There we go. (laughs) Okay. This is, this has been so epic. I want to wrap up with, um, some like quick questions just to get to know you even deeper. Is that cool? I like to ask everybody these. All right. So my first question is how do you like to start your day? What's like your morning, your morning ritual? So I always do like a, like a sunrise walk. Cause I have a tiny dog who wakes me up. <laughs> so I'm always out, but I'm grateful to be out basically watching the sunrise. Um, I love tea, especially French tea. Like I'm kind of fussy and have a special teapot and all that stuff. And if it's a good day, like an ideal day, I'll listen to some, you know, banal beats and I kind of get into like a trancey space and, and write a little bit. Um, and I try to do that before I work. <laughs> Love it. There we go. I can just imagine you with your, with your teapot. I'm very curious what it looks like. It's probably amazing. Um, okay. Into number two, this will be interesting from, from you. What is a product you're currently into? This could be like food. It could be skincare, clothes, a book, like anything physical that you're into. Yeah. So there's an apothecary in Joshua tree and it's right in town and it's called the grateful desert and they will make anything for you. And they can put it in any carrier oil. So I can go in and say, I want something really centering and I want it in apricot oil and she'll make it for me. And I have this collection of all these precious oils. So I have a cabinet and you open it up. It's all the flower remedies, all of my little body oils, and then all of these little fragrances, like fragrance oils from a market in Italy. So it's like bergamot, sandalwood and all this stuff. And it's like all my magic is in a place. So they're all little magic oils. <laughs> I want that. I need, I need to get something like that where they're all in one place, like just like lined up. And then it's like a, a magic, magic, yeah, it's like a magic pharmacy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I need some olive. I need some honeysuckle. I need some bergamot. And I just like anoint myself yes. or just to clear, you know, clear center and just, you know, the alchemy. I love it. Alchemy. Yeah. So I'm into weird body oil. (laughs) There we go. No, I love it. I'm so into that. Okay. Um, next would be a topic you're really into not architecture. It could be something within that. Um, just something that you're into like learning about right now. So I'm actually taking, this is so random. I'm taking, um, a music production class online and I'm, I'm, (laughs) and my goal is I want to make kind of desert, um, dance music, basically. Yeah. I love that. So (laughs) how, how are you, is it going to be like, like binaural beats inspired or like, so it's funny. So I actually hear it and it does relate to architecture and I keep hearing melodies. So the melodies are kind of given to me Mm. and the same ones keep coming out. So I've been trying to like, I did like a Kygo class and I'm doing this like, like this other class. And I was like, yeah. and I don't necessarily love all their music, but I'm learning, like I learned to use logic and a lot of desert music is kind of singer songwriter. And I was like, we need dance. Like, yeah, we really need to dance. And I want it to be kind of, I don't know, not tribal beat, but you know, a real danceable beat and really body. Yeah. I, I just have that. a vision of something that I haven't figured out at all. So <laughs> that's my random thing. Is, uh, I love that. 
is writing dance music. <laughs> dance party in the, in the temple. I'm yeah, so exactly. into it. It's going to be epic. What, who is the class through? So it's uh, through monthly. It's like each of the classes is one month long and oh. it's like two hours a day. So it's a lot. So this one I'm doing now, it's like Lewis Bell. And I think there's like three other songwriters. So I'm going to do all of them and just kind of immerse myself in their technique. They show you like how they write lyrics, how they write a song, how they craft, how they do their, you know, they do their drop. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. But I love like, that. But that's my random thing. <laughs> all right. Well, you're going to have to, when you make a beat, you're going to have to send it to me because I definitely want to hear it. <laughs> okay. So next would be human design, human design type authority profile. Um, I am three, five generator, of course. So I have to bash my head on every single wall. And do <laughs> um, emotional. Um, yeah. Dry kitchen. There we um, go. Yeah. Right angle cross rulership. So I'm supposed to, yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a healer. Mm. Um, learned everything the hard way, but now I'm here to help others heal. You're such <laughs> I, a three, five. I love it. <laughs> it's like, I'll do it myself. You're like, oh yeah, you'll suffer. But <laughs> But, um, but luckily, so Chiron is in Aries, so we can handle a lot of the, you know, take all the flesh wounds. So there we go. And well, Chiron returns. So my, my next is what is your astrology, sun sign, moon, rising North node. So moon, Virgo, sun, Gemini, take teacher, right. Um, I don't know my North node. My ascendant is cancer. Oh, I see that. And, yeah. And then, um, my Venus and Mars are both in cancer. And yes, and my Chiron is square my ascendant. So I don't know okay. exactly that, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be curious what your North Node is. You should look that up. Do it later. Tell me. I'm just curious. For me, I don't know everything about astrology. Like yeah. I know, like you know, the basics. But yeah, like when I look it up, it's like it's not surprising to me. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm organized. Yeah. I'm like emotional. <laughs> yeah, that's so me. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm empathetic, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I'm here to teach and to heal. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if you had some Aquarius in you, you have like a lot of Aquarius energy. I would, I wonder if that's your North node. You'll have to let me know. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> and I love Aquarius people. Like I just, yeah, I totally, mm -hmm. I you have, that. you have some of that. So okay. you'll let me know. And then do you know, do you know your Enneagram? I don't, it might be a three. Yeah. Possible? You're a three. Okay. I see that. Totally. Okay. Love it. Cool. Amazing. Well, one final question. What kind of like call to action or final message would you want to give the audience to help them like empower themselves through the spaces that they are spending their time in living in? What would be like your final, your final point you want to leave them with? Well, I would say, first of all, um, stop the cycle. Don't look at TV shows. Don't look at magazines for design. Do not look for inspiration outside of yourself. The answers are always inside. And start to figure out what you respond to, what geometries, what spaces. It could be a temple. What is it about it? And start to open your eyes. When you look at something, I love this temple. It's so beautiful. Why? What shape is it? What proportion is it? What do I look at first? What's the hierarchy? What's the geometry? Is there repetition? Like break it down and figure it out. Figure yourself out. So I design is meant to be an embodiment of, of you. Mm -hmm. it's broadcasting you out into the world. It's like a megaphone of you. 
self-expression through through our environment next level i absolutely love that this has been so incredible you are just a wealth of knowledge and i know that we like scratch the surface you have so much wisdom i always i just love hearing you talk um and i'm sure other people are going to want to connect with you and learn more from you so can you just let people know where they can learn more from you and connect with you yes so uh my site is 4d design f-o-u-r-d design and um, yeah, you can find me there and also 4D Design on Instagram and Andrea Keller on Facebook. But Amazing. Awesome. And we'll put all of that in, in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Andrea, thank you so much. This has been incredible. No, thank you. And your, um, your temple is, uh, is dropping in as we speak. So there we go. I'm yeah. so excited. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Huge thank you to Andrea for coming on the podcast and sharing so much incredible knowledge. If you want to learn more from Andrea, definitely head to her website, 4ddesign.com, F-O-U-R-D-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. And that's also where you can check out her course, Aligned Design. As I mentioned in the intro, you can get 20% off that course if you use the code Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. Again, this is not just for designers or architects. This is for anybody who is interested in learning more about what we discussed today on the show, which I'm sure I'm not the only person that finds this totally fascinating and wants to learn more. So definitely check that out. And you can also find her on Instagram at four, F-O-U-R underscore D underscore design and Andrea would love to connect with you. If you did enjoy today's show, be sure to take a screenshot, tag me, tag Andrea, and that way we can say thank you. And I always love reposting you. Appreciate that so, so much when you do share the podcast. And if you haven't already and you would like to show some support, just takes a minute to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to me and the team. There's a lot of time and energy that goes into the show and we're really proud of it. And it just means so much when you do take that minute of your time to send some loving energy our way and leave that rating and review. So thank you so much for doing that. All right, we're going to wrap up there today. Thanks again for listening in. I really hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I will talk with you again next episode.